Winnipeg fans, the Jets, and the Jets fan base were both looking for a bit of a pick-me-up. Heading into the All-Star break, Winnipeg's form has, quite frankly, sucked. The Jets haven't been good. The team has looked uh, very sluggish. They've lost some very winnable games against opponents that, quite frankly, the Jets really should be taking care of business against, and things were feeling a little bit on the downswing. Did the Jets restore some confidence with a big win over the Blues, or did the Blues get the last laugh? Find out on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. Or Locked On, the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Evening Jets fans, and welcome to this episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. We're available on all of the current audio platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google, we're also on YouTube as well, as you can see from this podcast video, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. You'll never miss another episode, but most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Now, like I said, obviously, you know, for the Jets, the past couple of games haven't exactly been a bit of a cakewalk. As you can hear from my voice, I haven't exactly been uh, super well myself, so I didn't get a chance to tell you what happened against uh, the Sabres and the Flyers, but suffice it to say, last week was pretty crappy. The Jets got rocked by the Sabres, and the scoreline was only close because Hellebuck was doing, you know, Hellebuck things, but quite frankly, Jets got trampled, and uh, it, it was not a close game, I gotta be honest. The only thing that was close was the scoreline, and it was, again, only because of the goaltending and some late-game heroics with the goalie pulled that the Jets even had a chance at looking, I don't know, semi-respectable. The game against the Flyers, a little bit of a different story. Winnipeg was playing a lot better. Uh, I thought the Jets were more aggressive, um, certainly a lot faster and more creative than they were against the Sabres, but didn't really matter when every mistake that they made ended up in the back of their net. So, yeah, just one of the the, the this runs of form recently where you, you kind of look at this team and you're starting to ask, ask yourself, you know, how good is this Jets squad really? Is this, you know, run of struggling form kind of what we should expect with Winnipeg? Or is this more of an anomaly? And I, I think the first thing that's really important to kind of get out of the way is that, you know, Rick Bonus is not perfect, right? I think, you know, with Bones, we've seen Mostly good. I, I generally like a lot of what he's done. I think offensively, this team is more ambitious. I think the blue line activates more aggressively. I think that there's a lot to like with what he's brought to this team. Uh, the PK is better. There's more structure. You know, I, I just think, generally speaking, Bones gets it, right? I think he knows what was up with this team, and I think he's done a lot of things to try and, you know, patch things up as best as he can. But at a certain point, you start to see some of his old habits that, you know, maybe got him fired out of the Dallas Stars. Um, I know he didn't really come back, but it was kind of like a semi-parting of ways, right? Uh, he didn't come back. He was kind of done. 
And you, you could tell that this, the, the stars were probably close to firing him. So yeah, the fan base had gotten tired of him and I can see like the, the turtling aspects, maybe some of these strange lineup decisions, but until this game against the blues, I hadn't really felt as frustrated as I was with how he tried to approach this game, right? There are some games recently where he's like, I'm going to bench Sandberg in favor of Stanley. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, micro decisions like that. I'm not really going to be upset about. I am going to be upset about putting Ehlers on the fourth line though. That for me to send a message and, and shake up the top six, I felt like was the wrong person to really be picking on. Now Dubois also got uh, a bit of a demotion to start the game against the blues that I do agree with. I love Dubois. I think he's had a really good season, but let's be honest. He's kind of not been very good the past couple of games. And sometimes he tries to force plays. Sometimes he makes a really soft turnover. I I feel like the demotion was merited. But with Ehlers, I didn't really agree with it, especially getting put with Stenland and Gagne. What value is Ehlers really going to bring there? I, I don't know. But whatever the case, whatever message he was trying to send, uh, suffice it to say, it just did not work. For like the first 20 to 30 minutes, the Jets were basically kind of dead in the water against the Blues. They would create lots of point shots. There were certainly plenty of power play opportunities, but the Jets just looked like they were swimming in cement. I, I think that's kind of been, um, for me, one of the prevailing problems with this team is is kind of when the top six isn't scoring and suddenly you have to rely on the depth players. You know, the Jets just aren't really getting enough from the bottom six, and it's especially frustrating when you know, you're putting your stars down there to try and send some kind of a message, and it's really not having the impact that you want it to. So thankfully, you know, Bones kind of abandoned this whole thing and ended up going back to line combinations like Connor, Shifley, and Ehlers that you'd sort of expect, right? Stuff that generally gets results. And sure enough, it did. The Jets ended up winning 4-2, to two, and they basically got all of their offense in in the final 20 minutes of the game. So yeah, Bones corrected course. It was the right adjustment. But I think from the ground up, from the way that he approached this game, that is kind of where I personally take issue with it. Uh, I, I think that he got the Sabres game and the Flyers game wrong. I think the Sabres game was especially bad because, you know, the Jets D sat back and really didn't aggressively press enough. We saw the Jets not really taking advantage of the Blues too for a good portion of the game. And sure, you know, the Jets dominated the shot share. They dominated expected goals. But the line combos weren't really designed to punish opportunities and the power play looked pretty crappy. So uh, suffice to say the Jets had some real problems. They overcame them and certainly the win is really important. You know, the way that they sort of finished out this game, I think is a really good sign of Winnipeg's ability to bounce back. But longer term, we've got some things to work out with this team and we'll talk about why this team might be looking a little different after uh, the All-Star break. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I was looking for a boost to my immune system, something to get my day going, and certainly something to arm myself with as many vitamins and minerals as I could without having to go to lots of pills, right? We all hate that stuff. So you might be asking yourself, what is AG1? Well, it's just one delicious scoop mixed in a cup of water that helps you absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. 
It's got over 7,000 five-star reviews from tons of folks. It's used by professional athletes and trainers, and it's very lifestyle-friendly. Whether you're on keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free diets, it's also got less than one gram of sugar. It tastes great, and it doesn't have any GMOs, nasty chemicals, or artificial sweeteners. So, you know, you know, with all of these people who have been swearing by this stuff, I was interested in giving it a try, and I found it's actually really affordable. It's less than three dollars a day, which is much better than a lot of those uh, those cold brew habits that you've probably got kicking around. Those things are really expensive, require lots of ingredients. Not the most affordable option, and AG1 is an excellent alternative. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network again. That is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We were just talking about Winnipeg's 4-2 victory over the uh, St. Louis Blues. A big win, certainly, to stop the bleeding and get the Jets back on the board. But, you know, longer term with this Jets team, maybe some bigger questions as to how high the team can climb and where the team is at right now under Rick Bonus. Overall, like I've said, pretty positive on the team. But uh, some things recently have have kind of piqued my curiosity. Maybe, you know, some some red flags for me that I'm not loving. I, I think Bonus has maybe made a couple of tactical decisions. I wasn't personally a fan of, if I'm being honest. I get it. You know, as a coach, sometimes you want to send a message. Sometimes you feel <clears throat> you've got to get your star guys going. And, uh, you know, the, the Jets are going to do stuff that I don't always feel is the most appropriate. At the end of the day, though, I think, you know, the Jets, uh, they, they've generally had the right ideal about a lot of stuff. I think that they are aware of where the Jets are, you know, maybe strongest and maybe where they're weakest. But one thing the Jets really can't solve without help from the front office is, you know, this roster. I mean, look at the team, right? What we said at the start of the offseason was that the Jets' offense is not going to be good. Uh, the departures of Stastny and a lot of other players really haven't given the Jets uh, a ton of offensive depth to work with. We said, you know, who's going to score the goals for this team? And that's still a big question. You know, Ehlers, Connor, Shifley, uh, sometimes Wheeler, all of these guys are are doing their best. Same with Dubois. But if they go dry, right, who else in the bottom six can really carry the weight? I'll say this. I, I've been really impressed lately with Morgan Barron. I think that he's done a really good job of getting himself into dangerous areas. I, I like where his game is. But when he and Gagne are maybe two of your most dangerous bottom six options, and neither are exactly lighting the lamp on a consistent basis, you know, where are you supposed to get the rest of your offense from? It's it's nice to get into dangerous areas. It's nice to create those opportunities. But if you aren't converting on them enough, it's not going to really make, you know, like make a huge difference. It helps the Jets keep possession up the ice. 
It keeps some of the defensive pressure off of the blue line, but the Jets really need to find other ways to squeeze out goals out of this team. And the easiest way is making a major trade. And I think this team needs to kind of be more aggressive now. I I don't think the, the Jets can really afford to wait. I say this because I think the Jets are now officially at something like 51 or 52 games played. And I think they're what, at like 65 points in the standings right behind them, you know, just trailing by seven or so points, maybe even six now is like the Minnesota Wild. And they have about four games in hand. A lot of the teams that are behind the Jets, like the Avs, the Wild and and so on and so forth, all of them have three to four games in hand on the Jets, which if they all win their games, suddenly makes Winnipeg's hold on the second place in the Central Division evaporate just like that. The Jets can't afford to be passive here. And I get that a lot of this has been strategically trying to build up uh, cap space, making sure that the Jets have options at the trade deadline, but I think the time for waiting is probably over. And I say this because Bo Horvat just went to the New York Islanders for a conditional first-round pick. Aku, was it Aku Rati or Atu Rati? Uh, Rati, and solid prospect, very decent player, um, but somebody who... I think probably grades out as like a a B tier prospect. And then, you know, the third piece was Anthony Beauvillier, who appeared to be uh, kind of on the way out with the, with the Islanders and somebody that actually I would have been okay with the jets maybe picking up at some point, but uh, it seems that he has gone to Canucks land and Horvat was like the major rental piece that a lot of teams were foaming at the mouth for. So with that in mind, right. And with that sort of trade package, uh, that they got for Bo, you know, you might ask yourself, okay, who are the Jets really going to realistically acquire them? And it's got to be TMO Meyer. I think TMO for me has been one of my most sought after targets. I mentioned him several weeks ago as the guy that I thought could be a really interesting trade target if the Jets were swinging for the fences. And increasingly, Winnipeg has been linked to TMO. And I think that there's like a natural congruency. You've got best friend Ehlers, you've got a team that has and will have cap space to sign him long-term in a few months, and a team that really needs his goal-scoring and playmaking ability now, not just in the future, but now. And I think he would be the kind of player who, for the Jets, legitimately moves the needle. So, you know, with a trade deadline not really that far away, but also not close enough for the Jets to feel comfortable, I think Winnipeg really needs to make a move sooner than later. Winnipeg needs to consolidate its place in the standings and build up on that lead that it's given itself because the the recent losing streak has really put a dent in Winnipeg's standings positions and they can't afford to fall into a wild card. You do not want that to happen. If you fall into a wild card, you don't really control your destiny as much as you want to. And I think for the Jets, this is an ideal year to make sure that your seeding is as friendly as possible. Winnipeg has a chance to go really far, but you got to make that road as easy as humanly possible before you get to the postseason. So make the trade now, get the Jets to a much better position, and I think we'll all be smiling a lot happier in a few weeks. But of course, you know, the Jets have a long way to get there. There's a lot to uh, kind of, you know, go through before Winnipeg probably makes a big deal like that. I'm hoping that they maybe close this deal at the end of the All-Star break or during it, but you never know, right? Speaking of uh, what kind of players the Jets might be moving on from, We'll talk about the trade package that the Sharks are currently asking for and how the Jets could potentially meet this need and whether it's really worth all of it in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel. 
This year, the only need, the only app that you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, and that's FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can get your Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Personally, you know, the Super Bowl for me, I think, is going to be uh, the, the the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that they are probably a general favorite. <clears throat> I don't know what the score spread is going to be for this one, so don't take my advice for that. But the Eagles have been lighting everyone up, and unless Casey can pull out a magical thing with Mahomes, seems like it will be Jalen Hurts' year. Now, of course, you know, the, the FanDuel app is the place where you want all of that action to be going down, so... The FanDuel Sportsbook app is also safe, secure, and super easy to use to make sure that you're always in the best of hands. Best of all, you can get your paid winnings instantly. Obviously, you know, this is a really handy-dandy feature and something that's super important for a lot of you cashing out as quickly as possible. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. We are just wrapping up really quickly with some final thoughts on uh, the package for Timo Meyer that the San Jose Sharks were asking for and how the Jets might acquiesce to their pretty expensive demands. So San Jose is reportedly asking for a first rounder, an A-tier prospect or two B-tier prospects, and some combination of one to two roster players. I think for the Jets, that's actually pretty easy. Uh, the Jets are are uniquely suited more than most to picking up Meyer. And I think that goes in Winnipeg's favor a lot, right? So the Jets, I think they would be willing to give up a first, either one of Chaz or uh, Lambert, and maybe like an Appleton or something. Um, I think Appleton would be a, a fairly reasonable um, inclusion. Maybe, I, I can't see who else... Uh, the, the team would really be interested in maybe Jansen Harkins. Harkins seems to be the kind of guy that the Sharks would maybe target. He's had really good AHL scoring rates. Uh, he, he's generally seemed like a player that, you know, kind of fits in sort of the Mikey Eisenmont mold of really good tweener numbers that you could maybe hope translate into a young developing team like the Sharks. And so, you know, Eisenmont's had a lot of success recently. Maybe that would also mean uh, Harkins would get a second lease on life there. But otherwise, I don't really know what NHLers would really satisfy the Sharks. Maybe Logan Stanley. Maybe this is where you move one of your D, like Vili Heinola or Dylan Sandberg. I, I think Sandberg, for me, would probably be one of the guys I would I would prefer to move the least. Uh, Heinola in that class as well. But, you know, if it takes all, you know one of those guys to really get this deal over the uh, over the line, I would do it, especially if you know that Meyer is willing to come back and extend long term. Like I said, I think, you know, among the teams that would be seeking Meyer's signature, right? <clears throat> we're talking like the New Jersey Devils, uh, maybe the Detroit Red Wings, the Boston Bruins. Most of those teams aren't going to have the cap space, especially for like a long term acquisition. 
most of them are mostly looking at these guys as, as like a, a admirers, like a, a short term rental with the Devils. I think they would be trying to extend the long term. But like I said, I think, you know, with the cap ceiling, maybe not rising as much as people thought and, you know, teams kind of cash strapped. I think the Jets have a legitimate chance to really swoop in here, make a big deal. And with the, the draft capital that they've acquired, I think it gives them a leg up on most of these other teams. It won't be popular. I think it'll be a very controversial move amongst the fan base. But look, once you start watching what Meyer does at even strength and on the power play, I think a lot of those feelings that you have, all of those reservations, they're going to start melting away. Meyer legitimately helps this team in ways that most of these other trade options simply can't. And you could also acquire maybe another middle sixer somewhere in a slightly less expensive format to try and give that bottom six a little more balance. So lots to consider, lots for the Jets to chew on. Let me know if you feel comfortable with that kind of trade package or if you have an alternative suggestion for the Winnipeg Jets in the comments below or at my social medias at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. I thank you so much for listening and making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And as always, thanks again so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!